Welcome to Deal of the Week, Bloomberg's podcast on the world of mergers and acquisitions. I'm Ed Hammond, your host, and joining me this week is Paul Sweeney from Bloomberg Intelligence. Today, we're going to be talking about the deal announced yesterday on Monday, which is Meredith's takeover of Time Inc. So, Paul, this is a deal that has seemingly been floating around for a very long time. We've heard endless rumors about time being for sale and about lots of potentially interested buyers. Meredith is obviously one of the, I suppose, longest rumors buyers for this either this company or this asset. Based on at least the paper price yesterday, they seem to be paying a big premium. I think it's about 48% over the three-month undisturbed price. Is that the only reason we're seeing this deal happen now? Is this just a question of price? I think Meredith here has long said to itself, listen, we're in two big businesses here, the magazine business and the television business. Uh, the television business is performing quite well for them and, and, and for the industry as a whole. But in their magazine business, I think they made a decision uh, you know, probably a couple of years ago to try to get bigger in the magazine business to try to make a go of it. The magazine business is a very difficult business from an industry perspective. Advertising and circulation in the magazine business is down, you know, high single digit, low double digits every year. It's in a secular decline as more and more readers go to uh, the internet and ad dollars follow. So if you're a magazine company, you're either trying to get bigger to get some scale or you're getting out. Uh, and in the case of Time, they were looking to get out. And I think in the case of Meredith, they think they are going to make a, a big go of it here and they're going to try to get bigger. They're going to try to take some of their brands and try to migrate them to the digital platform and uh, see if they can attract advertising dollars um, on that platform. And in order to do that, they felt like they needed to get bigger in terms of just more titles, more scale, more circulation, and then uh, hopefully attract advertising dollars. So I just want to dig into this point on advertising. I mean, you, you guys have done a lot of work on this, a lot of good analysis. There's a, a chart that actually our colleagues on Gadfly published this morning where it shows. So this is this is basically time. Print advertising revenue, as you say, has been declining sort of consistently over the last few years. But their digital advertising revenue has also not done that well. So what is it that Time were doing wrong that Meredith thinks they can do right in terms of getting that revenue up? Yeah, it's uh, for a lot of these print publications, uh, we can include the newspaper industry in this as well, as well as the magazine business. As they migrate their content, their reporting, their journalism uh, to digital platforms, they are then competing for advertising dollars against Google and Facebook, amongst a lot of others. But Google and Facebook take about 65% of all digital advertising dollars. It is effectively a duopoly industry. So it is very difficult for everybody else to try to grab crumbs from that digital pie. Now, the good news is that digital advertising pie, it's very big, and it's growing about 15 to 20% a year. Uh, but the downside is, again, Google and, and Facebook are very difficult competitors there. So if you are going to play in that business, in that digital uh, advertising business, you need to have scale. Um, now, you're never going to get the scale of a Google or a Facebook, but uh, you need to get bigger. And I think Meredith said, given the high quality of our properties, our titles, uh, some of which have been around for 100 years, uh, we have a loyal readership. We have a very dedicated niche, which is uh, young women. Uh, we think we can compete but in order to compete, we need to get bigger and we need to acquire more titles so that when we go out to advertisers and ad agencies, we have a much bigger platform to compete against the Googles and the Facebooks of the world. And I think this is their, they feel like this is kind of their last best shot to make a go of it in the magazine business. So this fascinated me. I You just mentioned this this point that Meredith's strong suit is you know the, the young women readership, which they have a lot of publications that kind of cater toward that. So why have they gone and they bought 
time, and then I guess the other sort of marquee brand within this is Sports Illustrated. What's the, like, I don't see the obvious right. connection there. Yeah, the, there isn't, you know, an obvious connection. Some of the smaller titles that Time Inc. has maybe dovetail a little bit better in with Meredith, but I think, you know, Meredith is simply looking for tonnage here. They're looking for just readership. They're looking for online viewers. They want to go out with big numbers to the advertisers and the ad agencies uh, to try to compete for national advertising dollars. So it's not necessarily in their niche per se. They still maintain their very strong position with young women. Uh, but I think this is a little bit more of a deal to just simply get bigger, get scale, so they can get into the conversations with the big ad agencies, so they can get in with some of the big advertisers that are looking for more uh, scale in terms of uh, unique users that can be delivered. You know, So I think that is simply what they're looking at here. Uh, they do pick up some very good titles in time and, and Sports Illustrated and some others that they would argue are under uh, monetized on the digital platform. So they are saying that they're going to invest in a lot of those uh, titles that Time had. You know, Time is a company that's been you know, obviously rumored, as you mentioned, rumored up for sale for several years, really since they were spun out of uh, Time Warner. So, you know, one could argue, and a lot of people in the industry do argue, that their properties have not necessarily received the proper investment over the last several years as management. And we've had a lot of, the company's had a lot of management changes at Time Inc. Uh, have been focused more on the, the future of the company and the survivability of the company and, and, and M&A, that they really haven't focused on the titles and their, on their brands, and they've been underinvested. So if you're Meredith, you come in and you you really believe that you can actually improve the quality of these brands uh, and then monetize them in the digital marketplace. So there's been obviously some speculation about what Meredith may do in terms of sort of asset sales in the near term. They've come out publicly and said they have no plans to change the portfolio. There have been some reports that they might sell time and they might sell also Sports Illustrated. So how would that fit with this idea of, I suppose, you know, the volume of eyeballs, which is what would seem to be justifying this deal and this high price? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. I, um, you know, there are certain, as we talked about earlier, you know, from a demographic perspective, some of the titles and timing don't necessarily mesh with what Meredith ha has done historically or where, they, where they've had success historically. But uh, I suspect early on they're going to see whether they have, in fact, the upside that they think they may have in some of these timing titles, what it will take them in terms of investment to bring those titles uh, up to where they think they need to be. Uh, if it's more than they necessarily want to invest, I think they would entertain you know, offers for s selected titles. Uh, but the reality is there's not a lot of buyers out there for magazine properties. It's a seller's market here. You know, They did pay a big premium to the stock price uh, in terms of before where the deal was announced. But as a multiple of cash flow, it was only about six and a half times cash flow. And um, that's actually a little bit below where some recent deals have been done. Um, the multiples continue to come down as the, as the profitability of the magazine industry continues to decline. So we're not really sure where the floor is for this industry. But I think, you know, Time Inc. is certainly some trophy properties, uh, some very well-known properties. And I think Meredith feels like with a little bit of uh, tender loving care on the part of Meredith, they can bring those properties uh, even to a better position and then perhaps be a viable digital business, which really hasn't proven to been, be to date. So I want to talk about this notion of tender loving care. Meredith said yesterday on the call, I think that they were targeting four to $500 million worth of synergies in the first two years. Time is known to be quite lean. They've done a lot of cost cutting of their own. They're obviously, you know, they're not quite stripped to the bone, but it seems not far off. So 
where are Meredith going to find these savings? Because that doesn't sound like TLC. That sounds like something a bit right. tougher. They're going to find them in, in Des Moines, Iowa, not in Midtown Manhattan, where Time Inc. has you know a number of offices and uh, you know very expensive high rises in Midtown Manhattan. I think they're going to see a lot of people uh, being asked to move to from Manhattan to Des Moines. So we'll see how that goes. But you know when you put two magazine companies together, um, you know obviously any redundant cost is going to be pulled out of the uh, business. Time Inc. had already identified several hundred million dollars of cost savings that they were going to do on their own over the next couple of years. So Meredith is probably just piggybacking on that a little bit. And again, that unfortunately means a lower headcount. And when you talk about a magazine business, it's you know it's simply uh, the people. And so it's a headcount issue, which is not good. That's why I think you know if you're a Time Inc., you're really concerned here over the next several weeks and months how this is going to play out in terms of A, are you going to have a job? And B, uh, do you have to pick up and move to Des Moines? Well, I guess one way to immediately sort of lower headcount and no disrespect intended is to tell a load of New York-based journalists that, hey, if you want to keep your job, you've got to move to Des Moines. Right, I think that I, some of those people, I think, will will, will get those uh, that 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 option. I think there's a lot of again a lot of the back office uh, issues uh, that are probably you know clearly 100% overlap between Meredith and uh, Time Warner. Those positions will be eliminated, no question. Again, this is an industry that has that is seeing its revenue decline every single year with no end in sight. And the only thing that these companies have been able to do over the last 10 years to preserve any profitability is to cut costs. And unfortunately, that generally means headcount. So I want to wrap up on this question, and it's one that is kind of unavoidable with this deal. One of the the real headline grabbers from the announcement yesterday was that the Koch brothers are sort of a, a crucial part of this deal. You could say they're putting in a $650 million investment into this in the form of preferred equity, which suggests that this was not a deal that could get done with traditional bank financing. You know, the, the, at least initially, it seems that it's a fairly passive role, probably purely financial would be another way to describe it. They're not going to have a board seat. They're not going to have any sway over the editorial direction of this portfolio of magazines. But when Murdoch took over the journal, we saw this kind of, you know, huge migration of journalists who felt that the new ownership didn't really align with their own worldview. Could we see something similar here where you have a lot of potentially quite left leaning journalists and now, you know, they are partially owned by people who are known to be, you know, fairly extremely far off the right? Right. You know, I think that could happen longer term. I suspect most folks are going to see how this is going to play out. Um, as you mentioned, you know, the Coke investment comes through their private equity arm. It's not uh, from their brothers personally. Again, as you mentioned, uh, there's there's no board seat, which is really unusual for a $650 million investment in a company that's, you know, only worth a billion, eight, one, $1.8 billion. So they have a big stake. They are getting a big coupon. It's an 8.5% uh, coupon on the preferred stock, so they're getting well compensated. Again, they're saying all the right things that they are not going to be involved. And in fact, the, the management of Meredith made a very strong presentation to analysts where they, they really took a, a strong view that the Coke will not be involved in the, the operations of the company, much less the editorial content of the company. So that's a, at least at day one how it's going to go. Uh, we'll see over time, particularly if the uh, business continues to struggle uh, and the need for financing uh, maybe even increases and the Coke investment looks maybe even more important to the company overall, we could see some changes there. But I suspect if I'm a journalist at the combined company, you know, I'm going to put my politics aside and you know try to keep my job over the next several months as these two companies try to figure out you know what headcount they really do need. Check out what there is to do in midwinter right. in Des Moines, because that seems like a more immediate concern. So that's it for this week's episode of Deal of the Week. You can expect more from Bloomberg reporters and M&A professionals who are doing deals in real time. 
Until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal and on Bloomberg.com, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or any app you can use to listen to the podcasts. And take a minute while you're there to rate and review the show. You can find me on Twitter at EdHammondNY, and you can find Paul on Twitter at P.T. Sweeney. Sarah Patterson is our producer, and Francesca Levy is head of podcasts. 